good? What's good? What's good? I am Damo, the political plug. This is the shop, Chop Up Show. Excuse me, y'all. Uh, I am. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm getting it up right now. Uh, I'm here. I'm here with my dog. Y'all know who I'm always rocking with, Toya G. Uh, and I know it's it's kind of confusing. It's like, oh my god, it's a Tuesday, and they here. Like, what's going on? What's happening? Uh, what's hey, well? What's going on is Damo. We'll be traveling. Yes, I spoke. I referred to myself in third person. Um, I'll be traveling this week. My oldest nephew uh, is graduating from high school, so I'll be uh, moving around this week to do that. But it's no way we can be. I can be. You know what I'm saying? Going throughout the week without getting it in, having this type of conversation with y'all, especially uh, because of the conversation we're having and the importance of it. What's good with you, Toya? What's going on, yeah? I'm feeling good. Uh, I don't know. I'm having some type of allergy thing. So if y'all see me over here cutting up sneezing, just know I've done that about 50 times in the last two hours or so, maybe more. Uh, so I'm, I'm I'm fighting to hold on. But it's Gemini season. Shout out to all my twins out there. It was good. It's our time. Uh, welcome. Uh, it's 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 you love it. You know, uh, it's Gemini. Season. Ain't y'all crazy? Gemini's are crazy, right? Y'all the ones that got the two different. Hey, you know sides. what you should do? You should grow yeah. up. Strong, you should read a little bit. You should know better. Uh, but more importantly, you should refuse to fall into those silly stereotypes. They really do nothing but flatten the very interesting and deep contours of the average human. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I heard that. But anyway, uh, getting into the conversation. Shout out to the Geminis. Shout out to the Geminis. If Toy is Gemini. The ancestors was good in the chat. If you are in the building, make sure you use your manners and say what's good. We're about to get into some conversations today, and hopefully, y'all be a part of it. But go ahead, if you're on YouTube, and say what's up real quick. Let us know you're in the building. Let us know that you're in the building. So, today, the dialogue that we have is uh, it's a political chop. It's a political chop up today. Uh, but. It's a much needed conversation because I, I don't know if y'all paying attention, but we are we pretty much are in the throes of election season. You know what I'm saying? Like it's folks, yeah, it's it's halfway through 2023. We get a new challengers for, to Donald Trump. Uh, Tim Scott, black conservative, recently uh, put his name in the hat. I'm gonna clown him. You know what I'm saying? Later this week uh, <laughs> on, on everything about his announcement. I also heard, even though this person hasn't made it official, but Daniel Cameron, who you know was over the uh, investigation uh, of Breonna Taylor, he is the what is what is the Attorney General of the state of Kentucky, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. He was also speculated to be running again, so he's not even going to be Tim Scott. Ain't even going to be possibly, and more likely than not, the only Black conservative running. You know, they don't play when they bring those Ben Carson, you know, uh, uh, Herman Cain, to pop up. Or you have people in the past. And so you, they, they'll put you a couple of them out there, but now yeah. we're going to have to put them out. They're going to be Yeah. And even with like Ben Carson and them, them was like celebrities and other stuff that just so happened to run for president, right? Like yeah. Herman Cain was a pizza mogul. You know what I'm saying? So it was like, but now with, with Tim Scott and these individuals, these are certified black Republicans that's been a part of different Republican caucuses and all that. And so it's getting it started, right? We we get we we're hearing that Ron DeSantis is gonna be running soon. Whatever, all of these names, y'all don't really give a damn about. I, in, in, if, if we be honest, right? But as much as I know that y'all don't give a damn about these names, these people, and a lot of what they stand for, I know y'all like to talk politics though. With no if it, y'all like to talk politics, y'all mm-hmm. like to have a conversation. 
what I'm saying? Y'all like to tap in. Toya, correct me if I'm wrong. <laughs> I don't. I, I think it's true. You know, we call you the political plug here uh, affectionately for a reason, and that's because I think there's a connection that you and we make to folks who want to have the conversations about what they see playing out in front of them. And so, yeah, this is this is a place where we talk that talk. Okay, so with that being said, um, everybody like to run their mouth about politics, but the problem is, it always is a part of a script. It's always a part of what I like to call and what we refer to routinely here at the Chop Up, political theater. Absolutely. It's not real. It's not real. It's a show. Right? What you see? You know, go ahead. Well, no, I just, you, it makes me think. And I think because we're sports fans as well, uh, that is very interesting that a lot of the bigger kind of parts of our society where there are competing interests and competing mm. and dueling perspectives and orientation, whether it be in sport or whether it be in political theater, whether it be in terms of just some of the social issues of our time that people have conspiracies about. I feel like there is what I'm calling script theory. And it makes me wonder just from an educator's perspective, like who, if anybody is writing about the ways that us as humans cope with change, uh, particularly Mm -hmm. between power, whether it be power on a field or on a court or in politics, because there is always this speculation that somebody's scripting this shit. Right, yeah. there is a careful and intentional orchestration of the way this shit is playing out, and it is up to us. It's kind of like a game. It's like a video game where it's curated and designed to get you to a certain endpoint. But it's like you see people along the way. Do you stop and talk to this character? Do right. you go and like you know what I'm saying? I think it has a lot of different options and appendages to it. But you know, script theory, which is specifically what you're talking about in terms of how we are seeing things play out, very episodically, very formulaically, right? Following a, a schedule or a playbook or a formula that we can predict and see the pieces of. It's just always fascinating because I think that is us, how us as people try to rationalize and make sense of bullshit most of the time. But I just, that's just my will spinning. No. Go back to what you were saying in terms of political theory. And how but the, no, I mean, but I think, I think the point that you make is important is, is because it's, 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 it's how we rationalize it, how we make it make sense for us. Mm-hmm. The problem is we go with the simple shit. Right, we go with the we go with the, the thing that we can easily attach ourselves to. Like we talked about podcasts and trash TV a few days ago, but the re, but a part of the reason why people are drawn to trash TV is because it's like comfort food. Comfort food mm-hmm. is usually not good for you, right? It just makes you feel good, right? right. What, what's the term I use to it? Empty calories. You, right. you, it's it's a lot you take in, but it's not it's not of real substance, right? And so. What what has frustrated me, and part of the reason why I became the political plug in the first place is, is study politics, is just when I'm hearing black people talk politics, it's always the same thing. It's the same rhetoric. It's the same script, right? It's, the, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a script to a terrible TV show, right? Mm-hmm. Terrible. Shouldn't be picked up at all, but for whatever reason, people love it. It's like Jersey Shore, right? Like, no, <laughs> it's, it's, it's no real script. It's, it's a script, but the script is just like a concept. Like, everybody just kind of follows... Like, oh, it looks like this, right? Like, if like if you watch uh, reality shows on VH1 or on Bravo, my wife loves them, you feel me? It's, yeah. we go to lunch together, we go to lunch with people we don't like, and then we end up throwing drinks at each other. That's the yeah. script, you know what I mean? It, it's not written down, but it's just kind of like, you know that when we go to this lunch, or when they go when they come back from commercial and go to this lunch on this reality TV show, these women about... They're going to fly. Right, some drinks is going to be flying. Right, 
Same thing the way we think about and have political dialogue. So what I'm gonna do today, and 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 just like a lot of the conversations we have on the chop up is these are these are the conversations that you're going to hear us have in the future, but uh, pertaining to different aspects of kind of what we're talking about. But the the things that I want to make sure that we ain't doing going into this election season. This is what I want to start with. Like beginning election season, this is the shit we need to leave alone. We not doing this. We're not doing this. And unfortunately, unfortunately, to get this conversation started, we got to we got to <laughs> we got to start with kind of coming at a legend in the game. Now, I don't really like doing like like celebrity conversation. I don't, I don't really like bringing celebrities because, you know, you never know who you're going to meet in the future. You feel me? And Ice Cube is somebody that I have a lot, a lot of respect for. Ice Cube kind of shaped how I understood the word nigga uniquely. You know what I mean? And what we understand conscious music to sound like, right? He was like a gangster rapper that kind of made conscious music a little bit. You feel me? So you can never take away from the, the, the legacy of Ice Cube. But unfortunately, what's been going on recently is the dialogue that Ice Cube is engaging in. Shout out to Chris MVP Harris if he's still in the chat. Uh, he's just, uh, but the dialogue that, that, that uh, Ice Cube has been mainly a part of as of the more recent elections have has it's, it's been a, it's left a lot to be desired yeah you know i mean somebody who who you know back in the day we definitely felt like was ahead of the curve has now reached a point to where we like i don't know if we should be you know what i mean you know to that so yeah. let's go ahead i'm gonna I'm a, I'm a play where ice cube is uh to a recent statement that ice cube made uh on a podcast that kind of re-sparked some of the controversy from things that he's actually done and said in the past. And so we going like this is gonna help us kind of understand as we go into this election season, we're not doing this. We are not doing this. Uh now Toya, what was your thoughts on Cube and the comments he made back then? Uh I think that my problem with him, one of many, um, outside of like packaging delivery, you know, as a as a communication scholar, we care about those things. You just not really are getting people out on your side a whole lot. But some of the biggest issues I had was that he it has been very, and I mean, I think even this week he has retweeted or started to tweet again about how black people need to abandon the Republic, the, the Democratic Party. The problem with that is we exist in a two-party system. So by nature, when you talk about how it is that we should undermine the Democratic Party, then that automatically means that you are presupposing that then we should look to the Republican Party for some type of fortress or help. You even double down on those things uh, by your behaviors and how you brought and pretended, presented and talked about your plans with the Republican Party over the Democratic Party. And we can go back and forth about some of the reasons why he did what he did. He was questioned a whole lot about why he didn't really bring his plan to the Biden administration or to sit down with Kamala, oh, with Vice President Harris when, she, when he was invited to talk to her and a bunch of different things like that. But I think the worst part about what Ice Cube is doing is that he is so laser focused on being critical of Democrats and democratic politics and the way that they've undermined it, black communities is that he's pushing black people toward Republican politics that have no likely interest or value in his mind. But he wants to kind of celebrate it as whoever's giving me the airtime. The thing about that is, uh, and, and we'll get into some of these things, but it's just like just because people are giving you the time of day and giving you a capacity and platform doesn't mean they're not tokenizing you and using you as an example of the ways that black people are really on the side of the conservatives and their agenda don't speak to anything that's in our needs. But right. we'll get into that more. Let's go ahead and look at this clip 
of what Cube has recently said about politics. So this is so this is Cube recently. Uh, let's get it. Oh, just because you might not agree, or you could be you know so-called hate or mad or whatever, but you have to dialogue. If so, not, tell you, you know, what's the next step? So, I, I first want to point out this: like, uh, this ain't on the list. We're probably gonna talk about this on on down the line. But this whole notion of uh, like we we just disagree. Like that, this this isn't a question of just like simple disagreement, Q. Like when we looking at the dangers and the policies, which you're gonna discuss when it comes to Republicans, this is already to, like this is already how we have to kind of kind of understand how like yo, you getting a lot of this wrong, bro. It's 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 it's, it's a lot that you already don't understand. But let's you know let's let's let them finish though. You know let's 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 hear them out completely. You think there's like a stigma amongst like the Afri- African American community to like Republicans and stuff like that? I don't know what's going on in the African American community when it comes to that. You know what I mean? Like black people have supported Democrats, you know, uh overwhelmingly for mm-hmm. 50, 60 years and and nothing has changed. So Something's got to change. Yeah. So the first thing I want to point out wrong with his response, because if y'all didn't hear the interviewer asked, do you think that there, you know, that the black community pretty much has a bias or, you know, feel a way about conservatives? For Cube to say he don't know what's going on with that, you don't know why black people ain't really rocking with conservatives like that? Well, no. Like you, you're, you, they, for whatever reason, for you to be involved in political dialogue, bro, you like you can't understand why. Like you don't understand. You not you not hip to what's going on. You feel me? But I, well, what I want to focus on for this for today though, because that's that's for another conversation. But what I want to focus on to, for today is the whole end part, right? The Democrats, 50, 60 years, they ain't did nothing for black people. Newsflash, people. Our government as a whole has failed black people. It has been a collaborative effort, <laughs> right? This is not just that, oh, this one group, but if the other one was, it don't work like that. In unison, yeah. they have been counterproductive. You are a damn fool if you believe that Democrats not doing anything for black people deserves more conversation than Republicans are actively working to undermine rights, opportunity, and access for black people. You you yeah, out of your mind. Completely ignoring the fact that over the last 50 or 60 years, there's not like there's been one singular party in control that Democrats have consistently shown up for. I'm sorry, black people have consistently shown up and voted for. No, there have been Republicans who have had their turn, have their chance in the chair to really equalize things, to show that they're not the party uh, that their reputation has preceded them as. And they've done literally none of those things. George W. Bush got two terms back to back, eight whole years, and all he did was look at Louisiana and give a big thumbs, a uh, big middle finger up, not a big thumbs up, but a big middle finger <laughs> finger up, two of them, to that entire state at a time of calamity. Right when you look at Donald Trump and what he's done and the types of protections that they make, a lot of people want to argue that he was the best president for black people and this, this and that, but no, there is actually information to the contrary. So much so that he's not even in office, but a lot of the ideologies. <laughs> that he has allowed to exist are wreaking havoc on the presence of black people and their roles 
politically, socially, in DEI spaces, in classroom spaces around this country. So his impact is still reverberating. He is not, he not only did he not do anything for black people, he undid a lot of things. He did a, yeah. And now there's a bunch of Mr. Me Too's and a bunch of mini me's walking around thinking they him who are, you know, just causing calamity uh, from sea to shining sea in a lot of different ways. If it's not education, it's with trans rights. If it's not with trans rights, it's with LGBTQ rights. If it's not with LGBTQ rights, it's with uh, CRT. And, you know, talking about Black people and their history and talking about Indigenous mm-hmm. folks. If it's not that, then, of course, it's with Florida where immigration rights are being all types of fucked up. And now, you know, Latinx people don't have places to work or jobs to do. Can't even drive in a car with a person who is expected to be an immigrant or you're going to go to jail and that's federal charges. Can't keep them in your house or they don't take you to jail. On federal charges, so they targeting targeting the same voter base that voted for them three years ago, right? Like, yeah. Who planted those seeds, by the way? Donald J. Trump. Donald J. Trump. And when you start acting all weird, like Republicans are doing something special or jazzy, that's where you lose me. Like, I get it. Let's not be beholden to what Democrats have done, but stop that with the other side. Yeah, like you, you, and 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 you got to stop that, right? Primarily because as we speak. 44 states with conservative-driven legislators have introduced legislation geared at banning critical race theory and wokeness. 44 right. states. That's most of the union, people. <laughs> That's but we, It's only, how many states is it? 50 of them and then Guam and Puerto Rico. 50 of them. 44 of them yeah, are, are, have introduced legislation to uh, geared at banning CRT and, and, and wokeness. But here's the kicker. Since most of the opponents of those two concepts can't clearly articulate a sentence describing what they are, it is safe to say that they are really just banning black history and banning calling out racism. That's it. So, again, when you come to me with that, but what have Democrats done bullshit? (laughs) You deserve to be shunned. You deserve to be booed. That is not... That that is not relevant conversation for intelligent black political dialogue. Not at all. Period. It should be ignored in intelligent black political dialogue. We ain't doing it in twenty twenty three. If if you if you pop up with the but then I'm not taking you serious. We are no longer having respectful conversation moving forward with that type of with with, with that type of approach. And I'm now, also I want to make sure that when we say right before you move to your next point, just that when we talk about celebrities, we don't just want to pick on Q. He wasn't the only one, right? Dr. Luke was out there making weird ass, you know, statements and uh, 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 really stating his opinion on shit that it just was not moving or mobilizing the conversation. And I think a lot of people started in different ways. And have even, I, I think through the pandemic and a lot of other social issues, you start to see these celebrities that start speaking out of turn. And it, it's a fine line because we're not saying just stay in the booth. Or just play your instrument, or just you know play your sport of choice. But right. a lot of people having these conversations around you that you know would be more helpful if you jump behind them and get all of our support and stuff like that, and the visibility that you have in your platform to get it to them because they've been doing the work longer and more strategically in ways that make more sense. So it's just so to celebrities, bro, just use your power wisely, use your influence wisely. Quit taking those space and waste of time. You could really be clicking and doing some stuff because we we don't believe you. And I also think that that's actually perfectly leads us into um, our next point. The second thing that we're not doing in 2024, we're getting this started in the beginning of this election season. 
We are no longer being lectured to and given advice to about voting and elections from celebrities. It's not happening. Like, and, and, and we, and again, we're not picking on Q, but we want to use him as an example. Like before we get into this nonsense and it kind of start the same way and go the same way it always go. Right. Cause the reason why you have a script is so it goes the way that it always goes. Right. Exactly. So, uh, we, we, we are using examples of his, but again, we're we not picking on Cube, right? But this is, this is one of, this is where Cube lapsed. This was a, 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 um, a shortcoming of his and this understanding to where when we're ha- like, like, like literally having this conversation is more so a learning opportunity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a learning opportunity for, for us and Cube. Right. Well, I mean, not for me, because I'm doing and you and I told you we doing the teaching. But (laughs) for us, for for, for y'all and for Cube, it's a learning opportunity for why, you know, like why we need to reapproach 2024 in different ways than we've done in 2020, 2016 and et cetera. Let's line this up real quick. Reach out to people. Did you connect with the Congressional Black Caucus at all? Because uh, they reached out. They reached out after they saw what happened yesterday. They reached out to me, um, and, and they sent me this. They sent me this. They sent me. Go to my iPad, guys. Come on. Uh, Platinum Plan versus anything. Okay. No. no I, 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 right. No, no. I was talking to the control room. Right. I, I'm gonna read. I'm gonna read it to you. Uh, Platinum Plan versus contract with Black America versus CBC legislation. Uh, you call for your uh, CB, uh, your CWBWA calls for ending qualified immunity, banning chokeholds, and elimination of no-knock warrants. The CBC says all of that is included in the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act, but it hasn't been um, uh, enacted by um, by the folks uh, there in Congress. I mentioned Juneteenth, the federal holiday. The same thing about anti-lynching law. Uh, your CW- So this was a, so what they're talking about is back in 2020. Uh, Cube introduced uh, his uh, what he called uh, I guess the C the CBC you know what I'm saying uh, and it was it was I mean he referred to it as an economic plan but if you read through it it was really just uh, like to be honest like some pretty common sense suggestions you know what I mean they, that that like things that have already kind of been what's being pointed out here or it was the CBWA the Congressional Black Caucus at this point is telling Cube like hey bro We've actually already introduced these things. We got you, man. <laughs> right? Like these is these are things that we've already kind of put into place. So what it is that you're asking for, right? Why why you talking about like you know don't rock with Democrats and everything else? What you asking for, we already doing in a way. Right? And so what we listen and so what, what we plan here is this is Q's response to, you know, really being told, bro, like we doing this. So let's continue. Right. Your contract calls for baby bonds of $1,000 for all new babies. The CBC says that's in their CBC's Jobs and Justice Act. Um, you proposed a plan for neo-reconstruction. The CBC said we gave President Trump a 125-page detailed plan to do this in 2017. Four years later, we've seen nothing. Uh, and according to the CBC, and I want to get to respond to this here. According to the CBC, they propose, you propose a one-time interest-free home loan for qualified black Americans. The CBC says, quote, this plan only addresses access to a loan for certain black people. It does not address necessary relief provisions to prevent foreclosures and expand forbearance for homeowners. But the CBC Jobs and Justice Act does. And so, uh, the C, what, what, C, what the Congressional Black Caucus says is the things that you're saying that these things have not been done, have not been focused on, they say, 
It has been done. It's literally in our bills. They simply were they were passed by the House, but ignored by the Senate. Uh, the sent the black census project that Alicia was working on. They dropped in 2019. She's saying they have been working on those things. Uh, and so just your, your, your response to that was especially with the CBC saying, no, we it's actually in our bills that have been passed, but they were passed by the House, but ignored by the Senate. Um, my, my thing is keep up the good work. Keep going at it. You know, uh, we got to get it passed. Think about that, people. <laughs> Keep up the good work, you said. Let's be clear here. Let's be clear. Q came out saying Democrats ain't been doing nothing. I'm putting out this plan. Black Democrats respond by saying, yo, we've actually been introducing this stuff. And the conservatives that you sitting down talking with have ignored it and actually uh, made sure that it didn't get over into the Senate where it could actually become legislation. His response isn't to be like, okay, well, maybe I'm going to retract my criticism about not anything changing, right? Let me retract my criticism of the way things have been operating now and develop a better understanding about what y'all are doing currently. No, that wasn't that, that wasn't the the script tells you we'll do we'll keep up the good work. Cube, if we go with your narrative, they're not doing no good work. Exactly, man. <laughs> I just, I think, you know, I, I think it's admirable for these cultural leaders, for these celebrities, for these kind of, you know, advocates of black community because they benefit the most from black community. I think it's great that they are trying to use their power intelligently. I think though that they have to be, you got to be with the evolution of the game, right? The, the stakes are higher because the way Republicans have had all the power they have and black people have not seen the benefits of the different decision making is that it's not happening at the top level of politics anymore it's happening at the level of legislation of the house and of the senate so you got to know how government works in order to be able to really get in there and finagle and get behind certain candidates right these are this is why for example killer mike gets a lot of attention during these uh uh, uh midterm elections right and that is because still getting a lot of attention too He's still on that same nonsense. He's still on it. Exactly. Because he attaches himself to local races in his particular area of the community because he knows he's around a whole a bunch of black people that represent a particular voting block and he wants to, to be a part of the action, not just when presidential races come around, but all up in the middle in the juicy parts where it really does matter. And so he is keenly, albeit we don't always agree with his perspective and his approaches to it, but he's always there in the mix. People have had to ask the question, who the hell elected? Killer Mike, the voter and the representative of black people. I've been beating his chest real hard about what he think niggas need. And, and he getting a lot wrong. He getting a lot wrong. Same, but at the same time, he's in the mix, in the right conversations. He just happens he to be saying mix. some of the wrong things. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. I feel like that's what's missing is from Cube's dynamic that makes him not persuasive to people who really know how politics works is that my nigga, like, it's already people you should be jumping behind. You know who are having these conversations, and you are international recording art, art, art artists. You can go state to state and mm-hmm. encourage and rally up different people to connect to certain people yes. who represent the politics that you want. But that demands that you put an extra link in the chain of your work. That means you can't just jump on Twitter, jump on Instagram, cut on live, and just start saying shit. You have to be knowledgeable about the independent and small cracks and crevices of how politics right. are happening on a more right. cultural level, and that's harder work than just Much being harder. like, man. Y'all elect the same as president in a lot of ways the president does not matter because it doesn't matter what party the ways, president yeah. if there is no continuity in the house and in the senate who gives a shit who's at the top against right now that is correct 
That is correct. Yeah, uh, and and it, it's, it's also important to know when we talk about doing the work, right? Doing the work ain't just like philanthropy because we know with the with the um, nonprofit industrial complex, all philanthropy really comes back to you anyway. So it, it's not really like philanthropy in the, in the United States where money is not very altruistic because you get that money back. Right. And in, yeah. in, in what you don't have to pay in taxes. You feel me? So the uh, the 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 issue is that when we talk about doing the work to celebrities, we talk about reading research. Mm-hmm. Right. Like really being tapped into the community and the demands of the community. Remember, the first clip we played is when he was like, well, I don't know what's going on with the black community and Republicans. Then why are you speaking on our relationship with Democrats? Right. That means that your that your your political education is incomplete. Yeah. And so we as the people got to put it if, if like, listen, I, I already think we hold celebrities to a ridiculous standard, a much too high standard. But if, if that's what we're going to do, if we're going to hold them to that standard, let's also make sure that that standard comes with something that's beneficial for us. So that means like reflecting policies and in, 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 in education and information that's beneficial to us, not just yeah. repeating and regurgitating the same old talking points that you didn't picked up from somebody else. That you didn't listen to. That's not even. That's not an original thought on your own. And we know that people like Cube are extremely creative. His original yeah. thoughts, in a lot of ways, have shaped a lot of what we grew up on. Right? Friday. You know what I'm saying? And a, and a, a bunch of other movies and, and and music that like stem from him. But then all of a sudden, yeah. right? Him in Friday Players Club. Uh, Play- what else we got? Uh, are we there yet? Cube is uh, a creative yeah. genius. Anaconda, like just yeah. all types of music. I just wanted to get yeah. the shout out to the project that I did appreciate. I did appreciate, and he sounds like my brother. It's really weird. I mean, but that's what I'm saying. We respect you. We got love for Q. But if you are gonna get into this arena, you gotta you gotta do the work. Like you know, you don't want like like Q as as much as he is uh, involved with when it comes to music and when it comes to movies. You know what it's like when somebody get come into your arena not knowing what the hell they talking about. Like, you know what that's like. And so yeah. that's why we need to put the onus on our celebrities, the people that we respect, the people that have our hearts, minds, and spirits, right? Because of the, because of their art. We got to put it on them to be like, if you're jumping over into this in, in, into this pool, make sure you fully equipped. I mean, but you know, in the same ways, we got to realize and recognize, too, in the same ways we criticize, you know, politicians for being detached from real life and how real shit goes. To a certain extent, these celebrities are detached from the real needs and the real conversations of what's happening in the hood too, bro. When you have a certain level of conversations, yeah, you double back. Yeah, you stay connected. But you often have a perspective of how the hood is working and how politics are moving and how conversations are happening on a day-to-day, like, nigga level from when you live that life. But these things are constantly changing. They're constantly kind of hands in the turn and in, 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 in the winding chain, moving things along that you're missing out on. It's a whole lot of celebrities. I, you know, the same way you ask, you know, Donald Trump, I think I asked about how much a carton of milk costs or something like that and said something ridiculous back when he was president. It's the same way you'll ask some of these fools, how much is eggs? How much is milk? How much is toilet paper? How much is gas? They don't have a good answer for you about that shit either, right? So they are attempting to use their powers for good instead of evil, which again is commendable, but it ends up cycling through and doing some of the same most problematic things, which means when it's all said and done, you undermine the, the the political capital. This is another debate term or phrase that I want to make sure we're familiar with. Political mm-hmm. capital means the kind of value you have and influence the, you can peddle. 
what you can have in certain yeah. spaces, right? You only get a finite amount of political capital before people start start taking you serious. So when mm-hmm. you know Ice Cube makes space for himself and pulls up to the mic like I got some shit to say, cool. But you start burning the political capital that entertainers and black leaders, you know, from kind of cultural perspectives have when you elbow your way into the conversation and they really talk about shit. Cause and it's like now you're going to one of these rappers thinking they know everything. Right, and that makes it ten times harder to bridge the gap between people who are out here singing songs and telling stories and creating the imagery for a lot of Black folks live realities, and those people pushing the buttons, making the decisions who are even that much more further away from them. You don't do anything to bridge that gap, my nigga. You make it further, you make it brighter, and now you got all of them. We got it. You can take it from here. No, no, no. Have a seat. That's what you create. So uh, the last one before we get into this next to the, uh, the next part of the this political chop tonight um, is one that I, we, we kind of briefly touched on. But I want to make sure we understand what's going on. So for the second one, what we're not doing in 2024, we are not being lectured, taught or anything from celebrities on this political shit, especially if they have not shown or displayed a, a level of understanding that is productive for the dialogue. Period. It's not happening. Yeah. We're not doing it. We're not doing it. But going into this last one is, uh, it's, it's, it's really, I won't say, I, I mean, I'll say it's, it's, it's just as important as, as the others, but it's, it's, it is also the more strategic understanding and the more strategic aspect of it, right? This is one that like, like, again, like I said, Toya touched on, I touched on it a little bit. Uh, but we we about to, we really about to get a full understanding of, of, of what goes wrong here. Let me get this pulled up. Give me just a second. Real quick, y'all, too. If you aren't connected to uh, the Facebook, I'm sorry, the Instagram page, go and do that right now at the Chop Up Show, at the Chop Up Show. Make sure you're staying connected. If you're not following the political plug, you should also on that platform and on TikTok. A lot of action going up on TikTok for the plug, so make sure you get connected with that at the political plug. And Now we're ready to listen to the clip. Let's go ahead and take it back and run out. Yeah, no, nah, that ain't the right one. The one I'm trying to play uh-huh. for you is not playing. Which um, one we talking about? Uh, we talking about... So, what what I'm about to play here is about local... This, this is the conversation that people have about local elections that is extremely problematic, not beneficial at all. Uh, let's get it. Black people in America that that voted for Biden. Are you paying attention? He opened up the borders. Now they raising the rent all of a sudden. They raising the rent everywhere. And some places where you was not charged for water, now you're charged for water. And some places where you wasn't charged for the uh, trash tax. Now you're being charged for that. They're they're low key buying us out, man. They're low key buying us out, man. Or oh, or oh, or oh, 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 they call that gentrification. But I don't. Well, alright. So what this brother's complaining about? He's complaining about rent. He's complaining about trash tax. Right. He's complaining about water, his water bill. 
Rent, trash tax, and water bill. And if y'all look at the title of the video, attention blacks who voted for Biden. Again, let me articulate what he's mad about when we talk about Biden. Rent being too high. Yeah. Trash, your, your trash bill being too high and your water bill being too high. My, my guy. <laughs> Don't none of that got shit to do with Biden. So y'all know what we not doing this year? We are not obsessing over presidential elections, especially, specifically over things that ain't got shit to do with the presidential election. Mm-hmm. I, and then I was, I, now, and again, there are things that trickle down from federal politics to, you know what I'm saying, to us in our localities, but the, the direct impact, especially if you're complaining about water, you're complaining about your water bill, that's directly tied to your local officials. Obsessing Absolutely. over presidential election while, uh, while dismissing and ain't not having nothing to say over local issues. We done with. We're not doing it. If you want to talk about crime and punishment, that's a local issue. Schools and education, that's a local issue. I ain't trying to hear nothing about 90s crime bills if you cannot give me the name of your district attorney. If you do not know who prosecuting people in your community, who is an elected official, I don't talk to me about what Biden did in the 90s, especially if you don't know that 95% of elected prosecutors are overwhelmingly white. Yeah. You're complaining about Joe Biden, but 95% of elected prosecutors, 95% of the people locking black people up in this country don't look like us. <laughs> so, if we, so we got to change that first. Then, we even for, even for liberals, right? Even for progressives. When we got an issue with how they, what they doing with CRT, over 70% of school board officials are white. Yeah. Let me repeat, over 70% of school board officials are white. Does this mean that all school, like white pr- prosecutors or white school board officials are automatically going to do things that are detrimental to black communities? No, not automatic. But how they're socialized, they are more likely to lean towards politics that are detrimental to black communities. So when they occupy these spaces overwhelmingly, elected spaces, might I add, yeah. And we're we're obsessed over what's going on with Joe Biden, right? I listen. I know a lot of y'all. A lot of people don't know them statistics. I get it. I get it. But that's why we got to dismiss the script. Yeah. <laughs> that's why. That's why we can't. Biden, Trump, DeSantis, Tim Scott. If you complaining about your water bill, but they can't do nothing for you, bro. Yeah. You are you are working backwards, complaining about Joe Biden for something that Biden can't do nothing for. Like, correct me if I'm wrong to you. <laughs> sure. Like, I, no, I mean, you're not wrong. Oh, I, thought, I thought you were about to say something specific. You've not lied. No, yet. no, you, yeah, yeah, you, yeah. Not incorrect or inaccurate, like yet. And I think you know, I, I just I don't think it can be overstated that you know we we get excited and all geared up about these bigger elections. We pay all attention to these bigger conversations about these candidates. And if your city or local municipality is anything like mine, they send home material to give you a quick little overview of each candidate, to tell you a little bit about everybody's running and their issues or whatever. Those little leaflets that end up in your mail and kill all the damn trees and that I hate because I feel like they're bad for the fucking environment and I hate them every election cycle. Crack a couple of them up, open, and see what they say and see what these people are trying to run for. That way, when you get to that part of the vote and you in the voting booth and you just start clicking random shit, 
right? You can stop doing that and have a better idea about these people who are on a more local level, on a state level, doing some work. I mean, honestly, we already know if it's worth having, you're going to have to do a little bit of work for it. And I think that generally people are content enough with just going and clicking D and you're not even clicking on the right Democrat for the job half the time. So you feel like you have assed your job because you didn't vote for a Republican this time, but you're not really doing your due diligence to understand what these candidates work on either. One of the biggest examples of that, for example, is that I have a certain belief about policing as it relates to homelessness, right? I don't believe that homeless people are a community nuisance. I feel like they got a place, they live in our community too, and they ain't got no place to go. That's why they outside in the first place. Mm-hmm. Like, what the hell do you mm-hmm. think they would Right. So we're not going to treat them and criminalize them. But I have a lot of Democrats that are trying to toe that line here in Orange County. So they're going to be tough on crime, but also acknowledge that there's a homelessness issue. I'm not impressed that you are able to see what I see in the fact that there is a homelessness crisis that needs to be responded to. So I'm glad that's on your list of shit to deal with. But the way you want to deal with it, I don't agree with. So I'm not going to vote for you. I'm going to vote for somebody else who both recognizes that homelessness is a problem and an issue, but also reconciles what's happening with the economy, along with the addiction issue that we have, along with, you know, pathways and programs and things like that that are suitable responses. Nuance. What I've just described to you is nuance. And we have to do better. We have to do the middle parts. We have to do the pieces in between and get ourselves politically educated if voting is going to be the option for you. If you're not going to vote and we have this conversation every year, have a reason why and be doing something outside of voting and participating if that's going to be your your language and your, your approach. But bottom line, we're going to have to increase what we know, right, so that we're not walking around knowing who all the sheriff is. Yeah, you don't know the name of your sheriff. But you all up in the mix in terms of it can name all 10 candidates on the Republican side and I'll fire for the Democrat. Something's wrong with that. It's a, it's a huge problem. It's a huge problem. So to wrap this, to wrap up this part of today's show, let's be clear. This is what we're not doing going into the 2024 election. First, we are not having bullshit conversations about Democrats. I don't, I don't care. I don't care. If you ask me what have Democrats done for black people, I'm going to tell you, shut up talking to me. Move on. I'm, I'm sorry. Like, I think I, I think you asking me that question means you don't want to be cordial. So I'm going to tell you, right. shut up talking to me. Second, we are not willing to be lectured or talked down to or given advice from celebrities on how we should engage in our political uh, uh, um, activism and our electoral politics. Nah, we, we good, especially if you have not done the work for the uh, uh, to understand the needs of the community, why black people vote the way that they do. Uh, the, the issues, the ideologies, the philosophies, if you ain't read what you needed to read, we're not trying to hear from you. I'm sorry. It's as simple as that, right? We it's still, we still, we'll still listen to you, watch you, everything else, but keep the politics. And then third, don't talk to me about no damn president if you don't know your local elected officials. Don't talk to me about no damn president if you can't tell me your mayor, city council, uh, district attorney, none of all those elected local individuals. If we can't have a conversation about them, I don't want to talk to you about Biden. Don't talk to me about Biden. You shouldn't talk to them about Biden. You shouldn't have a conversation with them either if they cannot talk to you about the politics of your community. It's really that simple, right? Yeah. It's for too for too long. We've gone by the same script, and we're still gonna hear it, right? That's not gonna change. This the script is still gonna be the script. We still gonna hear it, right? But what we need to understand is that we are evolving past that. 
And the only way that we get past that script is by all of us pointing out what the problem is and recognizing that that's not what we are going to do. Um, Moving forward. So next part of the conversation uh, before we uh, before we be on that too long. uh, We got to talk to you all about this debt ceiling. We got to talk to you all about this debt ceiling. Um, So for y'all, for those who don't know right now, government's caught up, tied up the House. The Senate, uh, the the president is caught up in rate whether or not we should raise the debt ceiling, right? We're gonna talk about what we're gonna talk about. Actually, we, we can go ahead and get into that right now. What the debt ceiling is, so everybody can have an understanding. Um, the debt ceiling was created by Congress in 1917. The debt limit or ceiling sets the maximum amount of outstanding federal debt the U.S. government can incur. So it's it's pretty much what tells you. You know, it's a, it's a credit card limit, <laughs> essentially. Right. It's a credit card limit. Um, in January 2023, the total national debt and debt ceiling both stood at $31.4 trillion. So whenever y'all talk about, we owe this many trillions of dollars, we owe, right? The, the, this is the conversation that we're having. The U.S. government mm-hmm. has run a deficit averaging nearly $1 trillion every year since 2001, meaning it spends that much more money than it receives in taxes and other revenue. To make up the difference, it has to borrow to continue to finance payments that Congress has already authorized. Now, the, what I, where I want to dig into a little bit of uh, uh, government and understanding that is what we have to know is that government is our government, the federal government itself does not have any, any revenue mainly outside of tax revenue. So every time you hear conservatives talking about cutting taxes, but lowering the debt, what they like, what they're literally doing is they're saying, Hey, we, we, we should bring in more revenue, right? Or we should bring in less revenue, but at the same time, let's lower this debt. Right. Because the reason why we go into debt is to operate the government and all the services and everything that we need or that, that the government needs right. to function. Right. But but still, even if it hasn't received all the money that it needs to operate, it can still operate. Right. So what uh, to answer the question simply, what would happen if the United States breaches the debt ceiling? So that means that. We have the debt ceiling. What would happen if we didn't raise it and then we bust, we just busted through it, right? Oh, yeah. By this the is, way, the potential question to be relevant is T minus nine days. All right. So make sure you buckle up for this explanation. Buckle up. Ah. Uh, now, hey, and this and to be honest, this should make y'all feel better, right? Because y'all know everybody be like, I'm debt free. I'm debt free. No, you're not. Because the dollar that you use to be debt free is in debt. <laughs> <laughs> like we, yeah, like right. you know, what I'm saying, do not feel bad about your credit score because the and, and your credit card bills because the United States keeps a running tab of a trillion dollars. All right, no so y'all should be you, you should feel uh, feel good about you know your credit card limit. But what would be the consequences if the United States breached the debt ceiling or didn't raise it, and then we still went over that? The debt over uh, the debate over the debt ceiling has caused economists such as CFR's Roger Ferguson to consider the once unthinkable prospect of a U.S. default. That is Washington declaring that it can no longer pay its debts. Some experts say that that would herald chaos for U.S. and global economies. Even short of default, hitting the debt ceiling would hamstring the government's ability to finance its operations, including providing for national defense or funding entitlements as Medicare or Social Security. 
For, so, for example, my grandmother, who has a very limited income, who, who income is situated around Social Security, she wouldn't get a Social Security check. If we breached yeah. the debt ceiling, she wouldn't get government employee, government employees won't be able to be paid. Right? Yeah, the first thing that's going to go is uh, public services and like government state based agencies and the 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 what they call auxiliary roles that they have. So anything that is not absolutely air quote essential to the function of local government, you'll start to see those things fade away. And that'll happen on a city level, a municipal level, on a state level. You'll start to just see different programs and different positions evaporate because they're not going to happen in the payroll. They they can't afford it. Uh, It goes on to say the potential repercussions of reaching the ceiling include a downgrade by credit rating agencies Increased borrowing costs for businesses and homeowners alike. So that's us, right? Yeah. Because anything uh-huh. increased, co- and anything increased costs that hit our pocket, um, and a drop off in consumer confidence that could shock the U.S. financial market and tip economy into a recession, which we're already teetering on. Right? We already teetering on. So, like now, we explaining this because we're gonna talk about the way that they're currently treating this conversation. Like the games yeah. that they playing with these type of serious consequences. Says Goldman Sachs economists have estimated that a breach of the debt ceiling would immediately halt about one tenth of the U.S. economic activity. According to center left think tank Third Way, a breach that leads to a default could cause the loss of three million jobs and add $130,000 to the cost of an average 30-year mortgage and raise interest rates enough to increase the national debt by $850 billion. So the debt, not only would the debt continue to go up, but we lose 3 million jobs. Okay, now, with it being this serious, right, with this debt ceiling conversation being this serious, you know, the question, what's up? The only thing I want to add to the severity of this and one of the people, because I know for me, if you anything like me, you like, well, we know the defense budget is inflated as shit. So let's, you know, just make some cuts there. Let's start there. Here's the thing. We are also in a very delicate time uh, geopolitically uh, and with all the conflict that's happening, a lot of the issues. Uh, we have what is called hegemony, right? Hegemony meaning the positionality of the United States as a global superpower, us, Ukraine, I'm sorry, us, Russia, China, right, all kind of reflect those superpower positionalities. We can't, as a nation, right now, appear weak. We're already struggling to do that just in terms of our economy and the reverberation it's having globally. But if we start taking money away from our military, that signals that us as a hegemonic power are not nearly as strong or that we don't have the same investment in our defense techniques and strategies as we would. So it is a question of national security at this point for them to take money away, especially in this urgent moment, right? They would have to slowly siphon money out of the military budget to not cause alarm to other military actors globally um, and signal to them that there is some instability with the United States. Like to be the laughing stock of the country would be to say, ha ha, the United States can't pay itself. Right. So there is a very delicate position in the state and our military has been put in to make sure that the optics of what we do with our military have to be pristine and very crisp so that it doesn't seem like we have any cracks in the structure from that perspective because we're already very vulnerable in terms of us acting um, fiscally as actors, right? Our decisions here have already caused international banks to start to shut down. We've already started to have global impacts and influences on the world economy. So 
we can't start fucking with the, the military right now or that can signal some things that can undermine uh, national security. Just wanted to put that out there because if you like me, you like fuck the military and give me that money. Don't work like that. And, and and to be clear, right? What she was pointing out wasn't it wasn't advocating for militarism. Is she's arguing why that they not touching that? <laughs> yeah. Like that's yeah. that's one thing they not gonna touch. Yeah, but but at the same time, why they neg- why they playing games with it, right? While it what happens is if we default, then we damn sure can't you know say can't rely on any spending for uh, for for the military, right? Yeah. So this is where it starts. But so and this. So this is actually, we can actually get into where it actually really starts getting ridiculous. What's happening right now is that uh, uh, Kevin McCarthy and House Republicans are literally using um, the, the, the increase in the debt ceiling as a bargain, bargaining chip for them to, I guess, fight whatever little culture war that they have on entitlements and caring about, you know, actually caring about debt, right? Because what Donald Trump spent so much damn money. One third of all national debt came under the Trump uh, uh, Trump presidency. My lord, right? But at the same time, him and the Democrats are the ones spending it up. Right, but at the same time, right, right now Republicans are playing a game about raising the debt ceiling until they get what they want. This is how this is how we got it. Like. Let's 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 comprehend this hypocrisy. Not to pick sides who we go like be a Democrat or be a Republican, to know who we should be against, period. Not not based on party, but how they move, what they do. Right. We got another brother, yeah. we got another brother that's going that's uh that that's actually, you know what I'm saying, letting us you know, letting us down. There are a lot more black conservatives out here, right? That that we've actually come in a, that we've been having to come into contact with. We got we got one that's in the um that's in the house that more so recently um that more so recently has become more prominent, right? But with the problem even with these black conservatives that they they're I'm, I'm gonna give y'all some language to use to refer to uh, like people who just run behind Donald Trump and it's called a sycophant. It's a sycophant, a kiss ass. Right. They don't have a they don't have a thought of their own. All they do is is really run behind a particular individual and then try to get that in in, in try to uh make sure that they in good graces with that individual. Right. The buster. Where I'm probably calling them busters. <laughs> a bu- a buster. Like that's you know, I think that's the that's that's the or or uh, I ain't I ain't gonna do no crip Mac impersonation. I ain't trying don't to do it. I know I had a feeling I had to go do it. I ain't gonna do the, I ain't gonna do no I ain't gonna do no gang stuff gang stuff around here. But let's take a uh let's pull this up here. Alright. Why you got the why you got the clip going real quick? I wanna shout out Jay Universe in the comments. They're rolling with us all night as well as the rest of y'all who have been talking back to us. We see y'all. Uh ARE Radio. Definitely excited to see your comments and got to had you back and forth or in the mix when we were talking about Q. Jay Universe cracked me up. We was talking about political representation. Said, I feel like we already appear weak. Or actually, before that, said, all I know is my governor is my governor is Whitmer, uh, Gretchen Whitmer. I don't even know if I got a mayor. Googling, right? So, yes, it don't matter when you go seek the information. If you listen to this show on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify or whatever, pause it and go look and see who your people is so you know. As soon as you can. But, yeah. So, shout out to the universe. We're back to this conversation and talking about the death cell. And play that clip that gives us a little bit more context for what we're dealing with right now. All right, let's get it. To respond to something former President Trump said about the debt ceiling in 2019. Take a listen. I can't imagine anybody ever even thinking of using the debt ceiling as a negotiating wedge. 
Why don't you agree with him on this? Well, first of all, he also said the other day on a rival network uh, that he said that when he was president, and when asked why he wasn't saying it now, he said because he's not president. Look, Trump is always negotiating. how absurd that sounds? That is not absurd. He's how is that always not absurd? negotiating, Chuck. Chuck, he's always negotiating. That's what he does. Yeah. That's actually one of the reasons why so many deals for our country worked out to our benefit as compared to his predecessors, both Republican and Democrat, because he's always negotiating. But do you realize how partisan that sounds? That's what is not good a partisan for, statement. What is good for me is not for thee. Listen, he's basically saying, when I'm president, Right. Uh, there's no negotiating on this. But hey, when somebody else is president, scroll. So. His name, and, and let's, you know, I want to take a minute because we need to be able to recognize some of these fools. And I, I remember this represent, representative, uh, Donald's, right? What's his first yes. name? Oh, let me. I'm putting it. Byron Donald. Byron, yes, yes. Byron the, Donald is Byron his name. Donald is, he makes he, he he don't make me nervous, but he kind of throws me off of that. You know, remember we, we used to be like, you know, we'd be like, you know, they all got that look. Black black conservatives all got that. All look, got that you look. can always tell by the hair. You can always tell by the hair. This 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 nigga got the edge up. Got the he got the, edge he got, up. The, he got yeah. the he got the very connected everything. You know what I'm saying? Got a nice little mm -hmm. smile. And behind all of that, he be on a whole bunch of bullshit, y'all. I didn't see him oh, in a couple yeah. different conversations. Uh, being on some foolery. So don't fall for it. You know what I'm saying? Right. Pay more attention to him. Who they parading around these days. He represents uh, Florida's Florida. 19th congressional district. So, mm -hmm. I mean, that tells you a lot of what you need to know. Tells you a he lot. is running the leading charge. He's the one telling them, yeah, we don't need to be talking about no CRT and no classroom. We don't need to be he part of them conversations, right? This is why the bullshit look like it looks because of Byron because of Donald. people like Byron Donalds, yeah. Put his name out there, Byron Donalds. He's not a he's he's not an ally. All skin folk ain't kin folk. All skin folk ain't kin folk. Playing games, right? Like he is with this whole kind of finagling of Donald Trump's perspective on uh, the debt ceiling being a bargaining chip or, chip or a negotiating chip or not. In some instances, it can be. In other instances, it shouldn't be. And Another example of these conservative contradictions. But, like, how are we doing politics in 2023? Like, you feel me? Like, how, like, you, you know how we look in, like, look in uh, the past, like, look at history and be like, damn, how did all of these people, like, be okay with this? Like, how mm -hmm. could, like, why are we reading about this instance in history instead of hearing about a bunch of people that came together and said, nah, this ain't okay, right? And what makes it even more frustrating, and this is why we start in the election season today, Right. This is this is the political plug. Toya G chop up show kick like election season kickoff. We doing it right now. Niggas like Byron Donald. Niggas like Tim Scott. Ops. Right. Get Period. Get, get them up out of here. Any any I, I don't care about party. Any politician is going to get up and tell you that the nigga I'm running behind. Whatever he say goes. If he say one thing and, and tomorrow he say something different because I kiss his ass. He right. Regardless. Democrat or Republican, fuck them. We like we don't right. we we don't need that type of politics. We don't need those types of people, right? Because it's it's again they are more willing to run behind Donald Trump and kiss his ass than actually look like they have any like shred of integrity. That's a problem. The the, the yes we, we don't live in Florida, right? So we're not necessarily impacted as much, but. 
like this is the representation of the black conservative that that is justified for black people to be conservatives. But I I, I can't I couldn't run behind conservatism if if the people who who had that conservative label was this much of kiss asses who couldn't think for you know themselves. What I'm and that's what I just I think under the guise of freedom and coming out of the shadows, they become some of the worst exact examples of what other I'm sorry, but black conservatives around the country are gonna end up doing because they're gonna link and hitch their wagon onto some bullshit that's gonna be the beginning pieces of the crumbling of what's happening in their state. And the only explanation of it is, of, of it is gonna be the party has won again in their tantalization of black conservatives that are able to feed into their agenda to make their agenda seem more appealing to a demographic it does not appeal to. It is all mm. optics. It is all bullshit. It is kick a kick a cap. Okay? Not persuaded, not moved by it, but what it does is give a whole bunch of people who need to sit down and shut up the righteous indignation and start sliding their asses into some of these races and giving white people a safe way to say, look, I'm not anti-black, I voted for the black guy. And it'd be somebody on some bullshit like this. They are not critical thinkers. We cannot afford to let these conservative black people and this is bad because again, I don't think that uh, uh, black people are a monolith. So I want to be clear so that I don't get misconstrued or misunderstood. If you are mm-hmm. a black conservative, sure. But none of your black conservative ideas are they're not unique. They're not special. They're not revolutionary. They don't change shit. They just fall right back into the white conservative game plan that has undermined our interests for years. So no, I'm not with those black conservatives and don't think you should catch any steam or attract anybody else who is seeing what the hell you're doing when your interest completely undermines the interests of black people and the intersections that they have in this country. Because if it's not black people, you're dealing with queer folk and you're antagonizing them and you know who's also queer? Black people, right? So uh, you're messing with women and the politics and the ways that they get to deal with their bodies. But you know the crazy thing about women? A lot of them be black, right? So again, these agendas you participated in, directly and indirectly, that result, impacting black people. Fire. Not interested in that at all. And that's why, and it's like, when people trying to figure out, well, well, how should we think about voting, right? Like, how should we, shit like this, right? We know yeah. that, I, I, let's, 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 let's go back to it. What would be, what, what, what is the impact directly on us when it comes to this type of shit? Well, like we said, what did, what did, what did it say? Three million jobs lost? Yeah. And they supposed to be the job yeah. creators, but y'all playing a game? With the, like with the debt ceiling, even after the nigga y'all run behind, straight up said, because when Donald and and what 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 he's referring to is Donald Trump did a CNN town hall where he specific where they asked him right about the debt ceiling and they was like you know he and Donald Trump said conservatives shouldn't cave, conservatives should fight on the debt ceiling and they was like well Mr yeah. Trump, you know you said this back in the day. Who yeah. I can't see anybody, and then his response was literally say, "Well, I was a the president then; I ain't the president now." So, so you can say whatever you want, right? Y'all can't. We can't vote for people like this and think that we live in what's called a, a, a an, an, an uh, like an intelligent country, right? Like a yeah. like a a, a, a a civil society. Like we literally voting for people who get up and say, "It don't matter what I say," right? Just you know, vote for me because I believe in what you believe. That's the foolishness. It's wicked. That's the foolishness. And that's the foolishness we fall into when we play in the partisan politics. Right now, we're going we gonna to keep y'all more updated about the debt ceiling. But we at least wanted y'all to know what's going on with the debt ceiling. What's the current conversation with the debt ceiling and the foolishness that's happening with it right now. I think we right outside of us keeping y'all updated on what the, the June 1st is a very important day. <laughs> right? The thing about what's been happening is Secretary of the Treasury, Janet Yellen, has been 
signaling, like literally sending emails and messages to members of uh, the House and the Senate for really the, the really, really the House, begging them to make decisions and make the right decisions about increasing the debt limit because of the horrible and unprecedented uh, implications it's going to have on communities uh, around this country, right? And people around this country. They ain't been listening. They ain't been dealing with it. But here's the thing about how this has to work. They need at least 72 hours once the bill has been crafted with the language that they wanted for it to exist for all of the people voting, all the Congress people to be able to read it, to understand it, to digest it, to think about their constituencies, their bases, and how it meets their needs. Then after they read that whole, they got to come back and negotiate that shit. They got to make sure they're on the same page about what's in it, what's not, to have debates and potentially filibusters around that bullshit until they get on the same page about the language. And then they have to vote for it, and then it has to be implemented by that deadline. So it's a very fragile amount of time with an unpredictable potential end. And if there can be no agreement and they can't even get to the table to start having conversations about this shit now, we're going to run out of time, even if they do try to throw something out there by the end of this week. So this is a day-by-day time-sensitive thing. So don't even wait for us to come back and talk to y'all about it because y'all need to figure it out. One last thing I'll say about this before we go to our last chopping and be done with our last piece of our conversation to be done for tonight is you might be wondering, well, if it's such a big deal, why the president can't just jump in? Why you can't just invoke the 14th Amendment and go ahead and fix it that way? Because if the debt ceiling is so big, he's the president. He can do whatever. Here's the thing about the 14th, 14th Amendment. Whenever you sign or use executive order, keep in mind and let's look at the uh, 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 the student loan debt, right, that we were supposed to get fixed that was kind of pushed through through executive order. Uh, what happens? Then they can, they can sue. just that shit up in court. They can sue. They can sue. And then it gets caught up in court and now we're not moving any forward, moving forward at all. Y'all remember last time we heard anything about getting anything off our, our student loans? That shit is held up in court right now. They haven't figured it out. And they are potentially going to win that court battle because now there's more time for more people to sit through it and be a part of blocking it and shit like that. So that's why the president can't just come in and fix it. It has to be done and determined through these channels or we end up going nowhere fast in the same terrible dire straits of situations we explained above. So pay attention to what's happening by June the 1 because we could be very much talking to y'all from a recession in about a month. I just I thought about today. Like, bro, I could turn 34 in a recession. Like, what type of shit is this? This is nonsense. Um, so this, it. so this last, this last chop, uh, we getting into really is just like a quick, uh, <laughs> FYI, just kind of put y'all up on game. Donnell and, uh, actually put us up on game. Shout out to Donnell in the chat, put us up on game on yeah. this issue, but this is definitely something y'all should know about as well. And something we'll be digging more into in the coming weeks as more information comes out. Uh, but right now what's happening is pro, pro, uh, Republica, which is the website that uh, actually broke down, or the, the the group, Watchdog group, that broke down what was going on with, uh, what's his name, uh, Clarence Thomas, and exposed a lot of his wrongdoings, have recently reported that Rep. James Clyburn, Rep. James Clyburn has actually been working against the interest of his Democratic colleagues in order to make sure he maintains his own power what this is speaking to it is a um pro republica kind of got a hold of, of of some information about a secret meeting back in 2021 between uh the chief of staff of south carolina's senate judiciary committee uh dalton Tresvant and a key aide to clyburn rep clyburn in in uh south carolina what this had to do with is y'all see this map here this is a map that uh, the Democrat Jim Clyburn 
actually worked with conservatives to put together that actually hindered the, the ability for black voters, right? It, 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 he gerrymandered. He gerrymandered in a way well, that no, hindered the... Go ahead. Well, no. What that does is that hinders the, the electoral power of black communities because it splits them up. It divides them into like, like larger populations of black people end up getting weirdly divided and split up into smaller districts so to where that concentrated electoral power ends up getting broke off in, in, into uh, other places. The accusation, because we're saying allegedly right now, because Jim Clyburn is, is vehemently denying the, the uh, accusations. But what uh, what's being said is that he worked with Republicans to gerrymander to make sure that he was able to maintain his seat. What was you about to point out to you? That's largely that it was a matter of personal interest. And what this does is sets up an issue because he's like 82 years old. Another example of potentially the older generation trying to hold on to power so much so that it undermines the interests of their entire party or the people that their decisions affect. But uh, he's been in, in his position as a representative since like the 90s, like I want to say like 92. Um, and as uh, just a literal move of self-preservation, largely because he's on, I think, Biden's 2024. He's like a co-director of the re-election committee. He's like filling in some roles and shit like that. He didn't want to lose uh, his position as a representative. And so, again, in bed with people who have no interest. And now these types of decisions, these type of gerrymandering through uh, redistricting has the ability to affect generations now because the tug and pull, the push and pull of what these, this districting look like, looks like, especially in a time of voter exclusion, means that he is potentially setting up worlds where, because what happened was all the black people are in his district and a lot of affluent white people are out of it, that now they've taken their voting power and can put all their eggs in the basket to vote for one, for all affluent white South Carolinian representatives. It's very important to understand he is the only black democratic representative out of that entire state, right? The state of uh, South Carolina is 68% white. Right. Mm -hmm. So his district literally houses all of the black people, which means there is no stratification of any of that black collective power or the type of dynamic candidacy that can come out of it and challenge some of these seats uh, over the next year, the, how many ever years to come. Right. So these types of decisions have, again, decades work, generational work implications on the decisions that are made in states like South Carolina. And Pretty much to back up what Toya is saying, pro Republica, uh, pro, I keep saying pro Republica, but pro Publica points out in a report that the resulting map finalized in January 2022 made Clyburn's lock on power stronger than it might have been otherwise. A House representative seat that Democrats had held as recently as 2018 will become even more solid for the incumbent Republican. This came at a cost. Democrats now have virtually no shot of winning any congressional seat in South Carolina other than Clyburn's state political leaders on both sides of the aisle say. So now pretty much uh, South Carolina has a black seat, a black district. It's official. It's not even, you know, now it's, it's not a question of, you know, like black people around the uh, the, the state. No. You, 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 you've pretty much been hamstrung. Like your electoral power, if you're a black person, has been severely limited if you don't live in Clyburn's district, that you're not going to be able to vote for a black, let a, a black person, let alone a Democrat, but definitely not a black person, right? 
in the state of in the state of South Carolina because Clyburn allegedly wanted to make sure that his seat, his position was locked in. We need term limits. We need term <laughs> limits. We got to have them. I mean because this is what happens when you don't. You have politicians that are that are willing to work you know what I'm saying? To do things to make sure that they stay in power for as long as they have. We're not going to keep y'all too much longer. We just want to touch on some more parts of this. But we're going to, as more information comes in, we definitely going to have that, that information available. ProPublica Pro points out also that as other attacks, as others attacked the Republican redistricting as an illegal racial gerrymandering, which it is, Clyburn said nothing publicly. His role throughout the redistricting process has remained out of the public view, and he has denied any involvement in state legislative decisions. And while it's been clear that Clyburn has been a key participant in past state redistricting, the extent of his role in 2021 negotiations has not been previously examined. This account draws on public records, hundreds of pages of legal filings and interviews with dozens of South Carolina lawmakers and political experts from both sides. Now, the last thing I want to point out um, as, as, as we start to wrap this up and get final thoughts on Clyburn's uh, allegedly crooked ass, allegedly. South Carolina's 2021 redistricting. Right, yeah, right, right. But so, well, what, what I want to point out is that South Carolina's 2021 redistricting is now being challenged in federal courts by the NAACP. The organization contends that Republicans deliberately moved black voters in the Clyburns district to solidify their party's hold on the neighboring swing district, the first district, hmm. right? So, so what what Clyburn was allegedly involved in now got to go to court because it's 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 that obvious. It's literally that obvious that the way that uh, Republicans drew up that district was to limit the electoral power. Now that what they meant by that swing district, the first, that meant that the way that that district was originally set up, that first district was originally mm-hmm. set up, that it had it, it was like split, right? You had. Uh, you had black people's and but you had black people and Democrats as well as whites and conservatives in that first district. What they've done to that first district has now made it to where those black people are in Clyburn's district, right? Mm-hmm. They 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 split up that district to a degree to where black people are no longer uh, are are like pretty much no longer have any electoral influence in the first district in South Carolina. So that's where we at right now. With uh, Jim uh, uh, Jim Clyburn. Now, again, all of this is alleged, right? It's it's, it's more yeah. information. It's more information that's supposed to come out, right? Uh, but until it does, these accusations they don't look good. They don't look At good. All. I mean, and I. You already old, bro, and you coming off as super untrustworthy. You about to lose the same black people who you tried to get, gather together and rally around to vote for you. I would hope, you know, I don't really know about the, I mean, it's a red state, you know what I'm saying? So the voting tendencies already are uphill battle, but now you have created a world where people find out that you've been playing patty cake with them. And not finna be trying to support your ass to, to continue the job that you took up space to take in the first place, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah. hey. Super game, super prizes, especially especially if what we what seems to be true comes out as actually so. So, uh, with that being said, we definitely appreciate y'all joining us. I know we kind of caught y'all by surprise. Um, I look forward to everybody that's able to join the conversation, both on the podcast and on the playback. What's up, Toya? Hey, just like uh, Donnell did, sliding us that story and that conversation that we end up taking and run with, running with. 
please do the same thing. Go follow us on IG right now so that you can be dropping different articles, different conversations that you feel like are interesting that we can take a look at. Because, I mean, put stuff on our radar. We don't know about everything, but we definitely want to talk about stuff y'all care about, too. So do that. Go right. and follow us right now at the Chop Up Show, at the Chop Up Show, at the Chop Up Show. Team to stay connected at the political plug at Toy G T O Y U H G E E. Tap in with us. Man, with that being said, we're going to go ahead and let y'all call it a night. We're going to get it in. We will see y'all next week. Peace. Peace.